to see you all today. Sorry to have missed last week, but we had a very lovely time with the family at my sister's place up in Leadville. Uh, very nice to see the whole group. My, uh, my son Nathan and his wife Karen and our two granddaughters, uh, Florence and Marvel, were here and they also brought their dog along. Uh, because it's ironically cheaper to do than to board it. So they brought it along. But our hearts really went out to them as they disclosed to us how difficult it is to get that menagerie through security with the, the car seats and the strollers and the dog. And, and it's special for Nathan because he had, has a, a defibrillator and he can't go through certain equipment and blah, 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 blah. So uh, that was a great stress and they achieved it brilliantly and we're glad that they were able to come and visit and we had a wonderful time. Um, but yeah, really great to have them here, and that's where we were this last week. A couple things. One, uh, uh, I was told that last week um, some Toyota keys and a house key were found outside on the ground by someone. If you happen to have been a person that lost those, we don't actually have them. They were given to the police, and I guess you could... You can maybe get it from there if they happen to be yours. But on this sidewalk, it could have been anybody, I guess. But I just wanted to throw that out there as a, as a possibility if that happened to you. And uh, also, Dina, very much appreciate the story. I have noted in my resolutions, no more Legos in my nose. So I will be careful going forward because we don't have those special tools. So very good. All right. Well, wonderful to be here. Glad you're able to join us today. Uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your invitation to this house today. Lord, we pray your spirit will be with us. Uh, speak to our hearts what we need at the start of this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's obviously uh, going to be a theme for today. It's the new year, the starting of the new year. Now, I, I will grant you that the whole concept of of a New Year's Day is a totally arbitrary thing, and we just sort of chose a point when we believe that we have traveled around the sun, that's the point, it's been won, but it, it's arbitrary the day we chose for it. But on the other hand, I think things like New Year's are very important to note, because without those markers in our lives, sometimes... The, our life can fall into an endless round of undifferentiated sameness. It's kind of the equal value of a birthday, to, to note that birthday. It gives us a milestone, a way to keep track of where we are. And I think that's very useful to us. Now, now having said that, let me also add, uh, as Mark mentioned last Sabbath, by the way, thank you very much for your message last week. Appreciated that. I'm not huge on New Year's resolutions per se. Um, I, I think it's actually because I take them a little too seriously. And, and if I do bother to make a resolution, if I should happen to break it, I somehow have this notion that in some cosmic way my whole life falls to pieces and no longer has value. So I have to avoid some of the arbitrariness of that uh, yet, at the same time, it's still useful, I think, uh, to, to hang on to the idea that, 
this is an opportunity to make, to make some decisions, to make changes in how I do things, just so that those things don't become oppressive forces as opposed to liberating ideals. So that's what I'm going for, to, to embrace liberating ideals that could make my life better. And New Year is a good time to think about that kind of a thing. And part of that is, what will we talk about this year? What kind of subjects will we address as a community? Well, some of those things we don't know. They arise as the year goes along, and, and we address them as situations in our community or in our lives or in the larger world intervene, and we look to Scripture for answers. One of the things I know for sure we're going to do, and it'll probably not start next Sabbath, but, but maybe the Sabbath after that, we're going to begin to address some of the work that the elders have done over the past year addressing issues of mission and vision and, and purpose for this church and this community in this time. And that's an important point to remember. Churches go through eras of existence and, and who's a part of the community and those roles and, the, and what the community will be is subject to its makeup at any given point. And, and a a valid mission is one where, where Scripture and community come together in a way that makes sense with the place and the time in which they are. And so the elders have been laboring on that for a little while. We'll meet again on the, on the 13th of this month, just a reminder to the elders, um, that's next Sabbath, and, uh, and, and we'll meet and, and, and talk, and I think it'll be after that that we'll launch into this unless unless you have some other wisdom for me. But that's the plan right now, and we'll talk about that for several weeks. But as we got going for this week, as, as we were, I knew I had two weeks to think about it, and so, so I prayed about it, and I said, Lord, I'm not sure what I want to talk about on the 6th, but I'm going to listen for your voice over the next couple of weeks, and whatever it is that, that you really speak to my heart with, wherever it comes from, I believe you'll, you'll say something somewhere. I'm going to be on the lookout for it. And whatever that is, I will bring on the 6th and try to share. The place that I encountered, what I believe the Lord put on my heart most in this time and that I want to share with you, it actually happened uh, on two occasions, and those occasions were when I had the opportunity to sing, and I put that in quotes, to sing the Messiah. You know the Messiah Oratorio, the, the, the great work by Handel that, that gets pulled out around Christmas time, and, and we listen to it in different settings and so forth. Well, there are also sometimes opportunities where you get to pretend to be uh, a useful singer and in a choir and participating. And one of those happens to be at, here in Boulder at St. John's Episcopal Church down on Pine Street. And I had the chance this year, I've actually done this two years in a row now, with the family, and there were some others there. Matt West was there with Kensley. They were there with us that day. And some of you came the next day on Sunday. I believe Steve was there on Sunday uh, and maybe some of the rest of you, 
participated in this, but they put this on at St. John's Episcopal Church. And it's actually pretty fascinating how it happens. The guy that directs it is actually does not consider himself to be necessarily a believer or a very spiritual person. But he happened to go to a Messiah oratorial one time and he was struck by how powerfully this piece of music affected the people who were there. And he thought, wow, music like this must really be powerful. So he went another time to a different thing, but the effect was not the same. And he said, there's something special about this work. And it's so special, I want to be a part of making it happen. So even though he wasn't really a music guy and he wasn't really a spiritual guy, he puts this thing on every year and he pulls together an orchestra and pulls together a choir and leads people in singing about the Lord. It's fascinating. He may be more spiritual than he knows. He may be doing more good in God's world than some people who claim to be very spiritual. But all that aside, I think this was actually something that Japheth and Becky used to do together, uh, a special thing that they had as part of their experience. But So we've been to that two years now, and, and it's fun to participate there with the large orchestra, but then there's also a second tradition we have that typically takes place at my sister's house. And, we, of course, we were up at her place in Leadville for a little while where she puts on the recording and we sit and go through the whole thing singing in our parts uh, along with the recording. Now, I sound way better there because we turn it way up and you can't even hear me at all. But, uh, but it is a very fun time. And this year we did it on Friday evening, which was a a unique challenge because it kind of took us into the night and uh, we were having a hard time making any sounds at all by the time we got to the end of it. But it is a real investment of yourself to do because this thing is over 200 pages long and you, if you go through all of it, which we always do, that is a serious investment. So we were doing that and in both times and in both settings there was one particular section that spoke powerfully to me, and it was a part taken from Isaiah chapter 53. Now, <clears throat> I've asked Matt to have available to us so you can hear the pieces, uh, just short little segments of, of parts that spoke very powerfully to me. But the downside of this is if, if you happen to be joining us online, our streaming license doesn't allow us to play these songs for you over the internet. So for you online, you're going to go silent for a second while we all are smiling here and seemingly enjoying something. But, but if you want to catch up on it, we'll give you cliff notes later. You can go back and listen to these things yourself. Uh, but there'll be silence, but it won't last very long. I'll come back. But the first part of it, and what Matt is going to play for us first, is taken from Isaiah 53, verses 4, and then the first part of verse 5. So Matt, go
pause that there. And I'm going to give you a little more after that. But I'll give you those words if you had a little trouble following that. So it says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now it actually leaves this little piece out. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And then it comes back with, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. So this is Isaiah 53, uh, verses 4 and the first part of verse 5. And then the very next chorus continues with verse 5. So let's get just a little tiny piece of repeats that line, and with his stripes we are healed. Again, continuing in Isaiah 53, that's the last part of verse 5. And then the next chorus hits Isaiah 53, verse 6, and and we're going to skip the first part of this because the part I want you to hear is at the very end of it. It's it's all we like sheep have gone astray. And, And the way he writes it to you, You have to be pretty good to be able to sing it, but it it gives this idea of wandering around because the note itself wanders around, and then there's this very intense ending. So go ahead and just play that last part. getting choked up again. I have to pull it together here. So, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's, that's powerful, that hymn that gets held out there and unresolved, and then on him the iniquity of us all. It finally resolves in the minor chord. So, so this particular section this year was very powerful to me. And as I sang these words, I was reflecting 
perhaps more than I should have, or maybe reflection is actually the larger point, but, but reflecting to a degree that, that my singing accuracy definitely suffered because I was a bit overcome by the message. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. If this is true, it ought to make a difference in my life, right? If he has borne my griefs and carried my sorrows, I feel like that ought to make a difference somehow. But how? It would be too much to say, and it would be a denial of reality for that matter, to suggest that that because Jesus has borne my griefs and carried my sorrows, I should expect to never have griefs or sorrows. That's too far, isn't it? That's not what it means. It's demonstrably untrue, as I'm pretty sure some of you here today are actively bearing griefs and sorrows right now. And it's also too much, I think, to suggest the fact that he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows means we should pretend to not be bothered by griefs and sorrows or that if somehow we are grieving or sorrowful, that somehow that's a sign that we're not being faithful. I don't think that's right either. So what does it mean? And how does it help? We'll switch back to the English Standard Version. That's the one we usually use. And it's in the pew in front of you if you want to take it and look at it. But we'll also be on the screen here. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In a search for understanding, let me tell you what I believe Jesus said to me about what this means. And perhaps in that, if you agree, perhaps you could find something that could help you as we enter this new year. As I reflected... What Jesus has done and is doing struck me in three ways as it relates to griefs and sorrows and iniquities. First of all, Jesus understands them. Jesus understands them. Secondly, like us, Jesus carried them. Not that he was iniquitous, but he did suffer the results of others' iniquities. And third, for us, Jesus carries us when we are consumed by griefs 
sorrows, and iniquities. There's a passage in Hebrews that I believe gets to this point. It's Hebrews chapter 2. And we begin in verse 10. It says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. What this is saying was Jesus himself was made perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children God has given me. So here we go. Now this gets at what I was talking about. Verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, we all share in this physical reality, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Now don't go narrow on that. We've talked about this before. Abraham is the father of the faithful. Yes, he was the father of the direct lineage of Israel. But after Jesus, after the reality of the understanding that God's kingdom includes all who believe, we are then invited to be sons and daughters of Abraham. It's what John the Baptist was saying. I tell you, God can raise from these stones sons and daughters for Abraham. And here we are, the stones that have been raised into living stones to be sons and daughters of Abraham. Verse 17, therefore he had to be made like his brothers. This is Jesus. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I think it would be a mistake to narrowly apply this to the concept of helping us not sin. Which brings us to a larger point, a point uh, that also hit home with me this year as I was singing and reflecting, Jesus didn't live and die so that I would have a chance to be saved. Jesus lived and died so that I would be saved. Now don't miss the point and start accusing me of running down the road of universalism. I'm, I'm not suggesting that salvation comes to those who don't want it. Rather, I'm saying this. I, like a sheep, have gone astray. I don't want to be astray, but that is what I have been, and that is likely what I will be again. And the Lord knows this. And because He knows this, He has made provision 
for sheep who go astray. It would be better for me to never go astray. And by grace, may that be what happens. But I'm pretty sure that won't be the case. But because the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, I'm not just given the chance to be saved if I can be good enough from now on. I am, in fact, saved because surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Surely he has borne my griefs and carried my sorrows. He was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought me peace. And with his wounds I am healed. Like a sheep I have gone astray. I have turned to my own way. And the Lord has laid on him my iniquities. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So what am I saying? Just this. We are not left on our own to somehow try to get through it all. Jesus is with us in all of it. He's been through it all and he walks with us every step having already made provision for our deliverance and salvation. Hebrews again, Hebrews 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Don't let go. Number one resolution of this year, I will not let go my faith in Jesus this year no matter what. Let that always be the number one. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So why would we ever get it in our minds that we have to go it alone when surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows? Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's Jesus. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. 
He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now, that's not a promise you're not going to have problems. It's a promise that when you have problems, he will be with you. And in fact, he went before you. So do not fear or be dismayed. Because what's the worst that could happen? Well, I guess I could die. But is that so bad if he's overcome death? You see, if he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and faced it all and our iniquities have been placed upon him and they're no longer upon us and he is the resurrection and the life, I guess maybe the worst that can happen isn't that bad. Because he can make me new again. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So I invite the band to come back up. It's a short message today. We've been doing a lot of long and heavy ones. This one's shorter. This is the voice I want you to hear today. As we go into this new year, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And and with that, we go back to the Messiah. If you know it well, we're looping around. We're going full circle on this thing and we're going to listen again to the words that Jesus speaks. So Matt, give us those words. that up if you want. Yeah, just just keep that going. His yoke may be easy, but that song ain't easy to sing, I'll tell you that. But you see the lightness in it, and that's the beauty of it, that the others were dark, the others were heavy, they were about our sorrows, they were about our griefs, they were about our iniquities, and how the Lord has placed all that heavy on him. And Jesus said, come to me with all your heavy and put it on me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you can go away dancing to the tune. That's the offer. You can go into 2024 dancing to the upbeat tune, not burdened under the heavy. That doesn't mean the sorrows go away. Doesn't mean the griefs aren't real. But it is an opportunity for us to give it away. So this is the question I want to leave with you today. What can you afford to leave behind in 2023? Are you carrying forward griefs you don't need to carry? Are you carrying forward sorrows you don't need to carry? I'm not saying ignore your true emotions or, or don't feel what you feel, but if there's anything that you're carrying that is attached to guilt 
or the reality that there were times when you just weren't enough, maybe it'd be best to just leave that there and go on your way. Now, if restitution is required, do so if possible. But if you have done restitution, or to the extent that you can, or if it cannot be done, maybe this is a good day to leave some pain behind in the year past so that it doesn't poison the year to come. There has to be some relief available in the reality that Jesus has borne your griefs and carried your sorrows. That's got to mean something. Can you receive that relief? If the chastisement that brought peace was upon him, can you have peace? Yeah, all we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So accept this deliverance that is yours. Come to him, all of you. Come to the one who has already borne your griefs and sorrows. Leave behind the unnecessary griefs. Leave behind the sorrows you are carrying. Leave them with Jesus, for surely he has borne those griefs and carried those sorrows. And come to Jesus as the new year begins. Come to him and find rest for your souls.